you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week three with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Six. This is the Takeaway Podcast where we tell you everything that happened from an NFL weekend. Normally, we abstain from uh, talking a little college football on this one. We save that for the the other two podcasts we do later in the week. But I'm going to make a special exception this time uh, at the top just to talk about one game. Just curious. Uh, Rhett, do you know where yeah, I'm going? Halfway Anybody? thought we were going to have the, uh, the app fight song as the lead-in today. But no, no, we couldn't get that loaded up. Ah, Buck, how are you doing, man? You doing all right? <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 fine. He's, he's like, wait, what? What happened? I don't like, know. When's basketball? What, 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 what fight song are we when's talking basketball about? Basketball season. Like, what are we talking about? I saw a game this week, and I saw so, Wisconsin and so Michigan. Is, what other game? <laughs> what are we, yeah, what are we yeah. talking about? Good question. Like, what are we talking about? So is it, is this like the little kid? Is this like the little kid who's like, I didn't want that anyways? You know, yeah. like you don't look like you're very happy. You didn't get the Christmas present that you wanted. No, I never wanted the Nintendo. I don't no, want that I, just because like, my friends all have it. Doesn't mean I want it. It's Clemson week. <laughs> Okay. I mean, we play Clemson yeah. on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's Clemson week. Like I'm, I'm on a Clemson yeah. like that. Twenty-four hour rule. Okay. Thirty-four. Okay, Bill. Okay, Bill. To Thirty-one. Okay, coach. Okay, coach Bill. Thirty-four to thirty-one. I almost got a T-shirt. 
I almost got a T-shirt made that said 3431, but that. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw, I saw you. I saw you coach. You coach. You coach one of my deal. sizes and my address or whatever. I make sure. Oh wow! Make sure he gets I, gave, that. I gave him. I he's, gave him. He's my, really excited. I gave him. That. He sent me a text this morning. Eli Drinkwitz sent me a text this morning, App State head coach, and uh, he wanted the address. I so I gave him my address because I said I want to deliver the shirt to Bucky in person. Oh so, yes, uh, yes. He was checking on you though. He I, cared about you. He wanted to know how you were he doing. Did. He did. He's very. He's very. He's very caring and excited. Via Twitter. Meanwhile, I, my uh, Uber driver Albert is just devastated because he yeah, picked, thanks the, a lot, he picked the Tar Heels yeah. to win it. He did. Yeah, yeah. On my way to the airport on. Did uh, you Friday. see that video, Buck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I uh, did. You know, I, did. I feel. Uh, Rhett's Uber driver going against going yeah. against the, the Mountaineers. <laughs> I know. Thanks a lot, Albert. Yeah. Albert. I told you. I said you'd be careful. You get in the car with Albert. Obviously, That's right. He was. He was yeah. You know. I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. Uh, but anyway, I've. I've. Uh, you know. I feel good about the way that this game, because uh, I was going to pick App. Sorry, Buck. I just I felt like they were going to get the win. I just, well, I mean, they're the winningest team in the state. Like they should have been the favorite. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I really don't understand the excitement yeah. over whooping winning a, a game. A, you should you should a win. two and ten team that we right. were last year. Like, okay. what is that? Like, yeah. I just think we would have bigger fish to fry. That's all. That's all. It. But I get it. I just I can't wait I, for that next. I can't wait for next. I can't year wait for that next generation run it, of North Carolinian uh, children. They to grow up back. and they watch that game and say, Dad, <laughs> one day I want to play for the Mountaineers. <laughs> play for the Mountaineers. <laughs> I want to go play for those Mountaineers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, man. Uh, uh, there was, all right. There's a full black and gold, like a little section in the corner of Keenan Stadium. They were all over the place. Like it was like like a little. I know. Mini I saw takeover. the Carolina fans there. Did they think you guys were doing a basketball game or something? I don't know what they were all <laughs> little, doing there for the little, football game. Little, little mini Did they takeover. introduce the basketball team at halftime or something? Well, we've been known to do that in certain games. Like, um, we've been known to have introductions <laughs> of the basketball team and the thing like the full house. They'll bring a national championship team back. Well, there's a reason we do March Madness after the after homecoming. I'm not March Madness. I mean, Midnight Madness. You know, the first practice, right? We do that yeah. after football homecoming. Yeah, like we 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 have been known right. we've been known to do that. Like right. if, yeah. if it's a sleepy game, we've yeah. been known to have a midnight with Roy. Sure, sure. Late night, I think right. that's what they call it. Late that's night with so Roy. Good. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's jump into our takeaways from the NFL weekend here. A couple news items. Uh, we don't need to spend any time on these. I think everybody knows about them. But Saquon Barkley, he's going to be out for a little while with a high ankle sprain. I uh, hate to see Keanu Neal. The, uh, again, his season ended. It looked like an experience yeah, for him. Yeah. Uh, this is a Falcons team that's uh, – uh, they're, they're in rough shape right now. We'll get I, hate, to that. I hate that for Keanu Neal. That's going to be tough to come back. So uh, we'll get to that down the line. But let's let's start off with our first one. I always do one from the game that I attend with the uh, Chargers. And this was the, a game against the Texans, a big win for the Texans. And my takeaway was, wow, this is a much improved offensive line. Empty for Watson. Looking left. Under pressure. Breaks Melvin Ingram's tackle again and wide open has his tight end Aikens. It's going to be a sprint to the end zone. 10-5, touchdown Texans. That is all Deshaun Watson. What a play to get out of the grasp of Melvin Ingram. That was one of the few times the Chargers actually had Deshaun Watson in their grasp yeah. Yeah. Uh, because this new-look offensive line, with well, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, who played a phenomenal game against, uh, against Bosa and Ingram, played really well. Titus Howard, uh, the rookie, their first-round pick, switched from left guard out to right tackle in this game, and they included another rookie, Max Sharping, in at left guard. And this, this constitutes a brand-new look for this Texans offensive line. And uh, you guys remember the A-team. Uh, it was Hannibal that used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. And uh, I 
think Bill O'Brien could kind of see this offensive line starting to form a little bit and buck. Um, this team with protection, when you've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and you've got Hopkins and all the speed they have, it's a dangerous bunch. Yeah, dangerous bunch. And I, I'll be the first one to say that uh, I've lobbed some criticism at Bill O'Brien when he kind of took over and kind of became the dictator of the Texans franchise because I worried about there not being a checks and balances system. We saw some of the trades that were made. Some of those trades were very, very expensive in terms of what the Texans gave up to get back. First round pick to come and get Laramie Tunsil. But as you said, this offensive line looks vastly different, like very improved. They're doing a good job of protecting Deshaun Watson. And when Deshaun Watson is protected, he can make plays. We also criticized him for letting go of a Jadevian Clowney and really paying part of his salary and taking back what we saw were basically spare parts. But sometimes coaches know because they're around the building, they're around the team, they know exactly what it, their team needs. And Bill O'Brien, to this point, he's really gotten it right because the pieces that they've gotten back have certainly helped him. And the offensive line is an offensive line that he can trust, and that allows him to really trust his franchise quarterback. Did Titus look better at right tackle than he did at left guard in the first two weeks? Uh, much better, much better. Everything happens so fast when you're moved inside. He's a tackle, and they yeah. were just trying to get him on the field, so they started him off at guard. Uh, but having him at tackle, uh, he, he held up pretty well in there. There was a couple times uh, Ingram got him a couple times. Well, look, but, I, mean, I mean, that's a good group <laughs> two good players. Yeah. Overall, yeah. Since, since Deshaun Watson's been there, to have Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, by far the most talented bookend tackles that he's had there working together. So, no question. Uh, it's, a, it's a good sign for the Texans. Now, there, there's other takeaways we could take from that game. Their secondary is not very good, and right. uh, that's going to be an issue for them down the road. But uh, good start there for this uh, offensive line getting their first start together. Buck, you got our next takeaway? The Dalvin Cook Show is for real. Toss right, Dalvin Cook gets a block from C.J. Ham. Cook grinding, touchdown! A one-yard touchdown by Dalvin Cook. Dalvin leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Hey, look, DJ, we, we said it when Dalvin Cook was coming out that we thought he had some special qualities. And I think those qualities have been enhanced. I think they've been showcased in this offense that has kind of been heavily influenced by Gary Kubiak. This zone system that really allows Dalvin Cook to do what he's always been able to do effectively, which is kind of stretch it to the edge, put his foot in the ground and make one cut. He is killing it. Three straight 100-yard games. Yep. And the efficiency that we're seeing from him, 16 carries, 110 rushing yards. Um, the way that he is playing, man, I, I think the Minnesota Vikings can really hitch their wagon to him and, and really let him kind of carry the offense. And then when you look out on the perimeter with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, they have a lot of weapons. That Not even getting there yet. We haven't yeah, even gotten I mean, there that, yet. You like know? This, this is a very, very scary Minnesota Vikings team that is kind of coming together. So for Dalvin Cook, for me, guys, it was one run that, that kind of painted the picture of his entire season this year. It was a 16-yard run on second and 15. The two cuts he made – and I'm talking about like a two square yard box. Yes. And then the power after those cuts to push forward for another five yards to get the first down. It was like, whoa, all right, this dude is all the way back. And, you know, what? that's why we were talking about him as, as you know, the potential yes. to be the first running back that year in the draft, even though, he, you know, he slipped all the way to the second. Yeah, he slipped all the way to the second. Some of that, a lot of that had to do with character, character concerns. Yeah. But when you watched him play, you knew he had the ability when he has the ball in his hand to kind of be a game changer. And seven yards it, of carry I mean, right he, now. He is absolutely 
crushing it in this <laughs> offense. And it's only going to get better because, look, we have seen what running backs in Gary Kubiak's system have been able to do, go all the way back, go all the way back to TD and how they ran in Mike Shanahan's system, but then go to Houston with Arian Foster and the guys that play there. He is going to be a handful because that system stretches the defense horizontally and he has such good vision and cutting ability that, man, he exploits those creases uh, in the defense. Yeah. All right, I'll take one it, thing you yeah, want to do ahead. in the offseason is assess your roster here real quick, right? You want to assess your roster and figure out your formula of how you win football games. Last year, this Minnesota Vikings team was 30th in the league in rushing, 93.3 yards per game. Right now, they're second in the NFL, 193 yards. They knew they had to take that pressure off their quarterback and Kirk Cousins in order for them to get the right mix, the right formula to work. They went out and got the right coach. They're, they've, they're giving the ball to their best player in Dalvin Cook, and they've got this thing rolling. That is their formula for this football team. I'm with you, and it's working out for sure. And I, I just, I can't wait to see what the play-action game develops into for the rest of the season. We haven't hardly seen much from Stefan Diggs in uh, this whole season, so there's still some potential there. I'll get us to number three here. There is nowhere left to turn for this Falcons defense. Set out of the gun, rolls to the right side, looking, looking, throws, fires, it's caught, touchdown, T.Y., touchdown, I-N-D-Y, T.Y. Hilton, a four-yard touchdown from Jacoby Brissett, and the Colts now lead it 19 to three. All right, so look, last year, look, it was injuries, right? I mean, that was a built-in kind of mulligan. Deion Jones was down for most of the season. Keanu Neal was down in week one. Uh, they were thin in the secondary. Ricardo Allen went down as well. So you're like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's see what happens when they get back healthy, right? Well, Dan Quinn fires Marquand Manuel's defensive coordinator. Mm. He takes over the defense and the defensive play calling. And man, I was listening to Jacoby Brissett uh, with Prime last night he balled he got the call and he was talking about how man they their receivers won one-on-one matchups and they played a ton of soft zone obviously i, I kind of get that you don't want to let ty hilton get behind you but man they had received the falcons defense had receivers running wide open all over the place eric ebron on the 30 yard catch zero resistance going across the field wide open and a next-gen stats backs us up on this one in fact um i was just looking at it here they had they led, they lead the league, not just this past week. They lead the league in wide receivers and wide open targets in the highest percentage. 27% of targets that opponents throw against them are wide open. That is a problem. That's bad news. <laughs> that is a problem. That's not great. That, that, that is a problem. And, and I will say this. I was disappointed when DQ fired Marco Emanuel. Yep. Marco Emanuel, in my estimation, was a, a young uh, star in the making at the defensive coordinator position, uh, not only because we drafted him in Seattle and got a chance to know him, but just watching how those guys played. And so when DQ removed him, he really put himself kind of front and center when it came to being responsible for this defense. So now you got to look in the mirror. Talk about There's nowhere where, left to go. Yeah, where else do you turn? You're the head coach and you're now the defensive coordinator. And the defense is, is really bleeding, hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging when, when it comes to right. their ability to stop people and I don't know what the answers are. I don't know where he goes to find a solution because, look, you're losing players. And so now it comes down to what can you scheme up? What can you change? I mean, you can talk to him about playing hard, but what answers does DQ have to solve the problem? I don't know. I don't know if he can solve this. And it's, it's unfortunate, too, because when you look inside this division, 
and you see the injury to Drew Brees, it kind of cracked Opportunity. the door open, you know, for a team like Atlanta to go make that happen. And it looks like to me when you when you watch them play, they're just going to have to find their way to win shootouts. I mean, it's it's where they are. And whether that's personnel related, yeah. whether that's play calling related, uh, I'm sure people argue about that. But to me, this is a this is a team that's got to score. They got to score 35, 40 points to win football games. I am with you. I was just like, and one one last thing. I'm looking on that touchdown pass to Zach Pascal. I mean, it was like a red zone route combination. It was beautiful. They were running a cover three defense. Atlanta was, and two they were two guys ran after the flat route. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like golly, and just left Pascal wide open. So you know, maybe they can figure it out, but it doesn't look good right now. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I say, I guess you look at it, maybe 30 points. I can lower my expectations there if you just get 30 points. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> a chance to win football games. But that's that's the target number they got to hit, unfortunately. Uh, all right, this was the big story from the weekend. Uh, Danny Dimes, he delivers. <laughs> Second and goal at the seven. Jones is going to run it on a fake handoff. He's to the five. He's in. Touchdown, Giants. Daniel Jones. Fake the handoff. And then ran it in from seven yards out. And in his first start, Daniel Jones with a rushing touchdown. And the Giants fans here in Tampa, and there are a lot of them, rejoicing. Uh, That would be one of two rushing touchdowns for Daniel Jones to go along with two passing touchdowns, throwing for 336 yards, all while under a ton of pressure. Uh, But my biggest takeaway from this, uh, and Buck, I'll get to you on this one, but it was... You, you, you saw why they made the move, and not just because you look at all these stats. Really, to me, I look at an offensive line that's not built to pass protect. They haven't run the ball as well as you'd, you'd like to in a game like this one. So you have his legs, his ability on third downs to buy time, to get outside the pocket. He'd run for a, for a third down, extend a play, uh, find somebody down the field to convert, and then obviously the two rushing touchdowns. It's like you've just added another player. You know, you've got another guy you you got to worry about if you're a defense as a ball carrier. And I think this was an offense that needed a little bit of that. Yeah, I think uh, I just wrote in my notes, uh, Daniel Jones modernized their offense. It gave Pat Shermer an opportunity to bring in some of the things that we've been watching happen at the collegiate level to kind of bring them up to speed because they couldn't do that with Eli with the Giants. Daniel Jones's athleticism, his ability to make plays with his legs allows them to incorporate some of the zone read stuff, some of the RPO game. It allows them to really get back to some of the bootleg movement game that he prefers. So, look, you can debate whether Eli deserved to be pulled because there were so many other areas that were struggling on the Giants team. But what Daniel Jones does is he brought a little juice, a little energy. He gave them hope, and he gave Pat Shermer an athletic playmaker in the QB1 spot that allowed him to open up his playbook. Yeah, I was talking with David Morris. And, you know, we talked to uh, in the lead-up to the draft a bunch. It's, uh, it was training uh, Daniel, and just it, that was the one thing that, that kept coming up was the athleticism was the difference. You know, I mean, those five sacks that Daniel took might have turned into eight, you know, if Eli was out there. I mean, he got himself out yeah. of some things, you know, and, and as you saw, DJ, with the way that Shermer was calling the game, they moved him around a little bit more than they would have uh, probably in the first couple of weeks. So, you know, that, I think that's that's the that's the thing that's going to have to save him with Saquon out for the next few weeks. Yeah. 
Saquon out, so your running, your running game is going to be basically non-existent with Wayne Gallman, who had five for 13 in this game. It's a tremendous drop-off from Barkley to him. And you've got, again, offensive line that's built to try and move people. They're not really built to pass protect. So, again, you're going to see a lot more Daniel Jones on the move uh, in this offense as they, they try and get by. Now, I do want to say, look, Giants fans, this, it's not going to be like this every week. This, right. this, is a, this is a rookie. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be some poor decisions along the way. But, Bucky, you used the word, and we can, we can keep the train moving here but he brought some juice he brought some life he brought some momentum to a to an offense and a team that desperately needed it yeah desperately like dj and we can talk about this on a later podcast this week but i do believe like this uh we talked about it before we went on the air this kind of shows you the importance of being convicted when you take a player to have the sense of conviction that you really want the player you love the player because you have to stand in the storm I will say this about Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman and the Giants were convicted about Daniel Jones. They felt like he was the right guy. And so even when everyone was lobbing the bows and arrows at them and and taking them to task for taking Daniel Jones over any other quarterback that was available at number six, they stood in it. And right now, based on the way he played in the preseason, based on the way that he's played now, he is the right pick for what they wanted. And so hats off to David Gettleman, maybe – on the outside, we should pause a little bit before we start lobbying these critiques because sometimes on the inside, they know a little bit more about how the pieces of the puzzle will fit. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it all you over there. And you know, <laughs> that we're just uh, ragging on, on Danny Dimes back yeah. in uh, late April and early May. Come on now. I'm, I mean, it says something. It says something. So that's enough. Get us Never go. Someone that's near and dear to my heart. How about the Buffalo Bills are quietly emerging as a contender? I formation, DeMarco, the, tail, the fullback in front of Frank Gore. Tight end in motion left side. The snap. Josh going to throw it. Looks, fires into the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Dawson, Dawson Knox. Touchdown, <laughs> Buffalo. The Bills strike first with 3.03 to play here in the first quarter. A one-yard touchdown pass to the rookie, Dawson Knox. Hey, this is another example of having conviction. We talked about it. Josh Allen was one of those polarizing prospects coming out because, look, you saw the talent. You saw the athleticism. You didn't see a lot of performance and production to go with it, and you wondered what would happen. The Buffalo Bills took him. Um, I said at the time that he kind of reminded me of their Cam Light, like a light version of the athletic playmaker that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and Joe Shane and all those guys saw at Carolina. And I think – He is giving this offense kind of a different dimension. And even though he doesn't always play great, he still turns it over. There's something about him that has energized this offense. We see it, how he impacts the running game because you have to account for him. We saw old man Frank Gore continue to have a big day. Part of that is because Josh Allen is always a threat to run. Uh, This Buffalo Bills team is a contender not because of their offense and Josh Allen, but their defense makes timely plays. They get turnovers. They make plays when they have to make them. And, and so this is a team, and I'm, I know they play New England this weekend coming up, and I'm not saying that they're ready to dethrone the Patriots, but I am saying, man, this is a dangerous team to face because it's all kind of coming together for Sean McDermott. Yeah, their defense is their defense is absolutely loaded. I love their secondary and, and what they do there. And you mm-hmm. see a collection of players, real athletic there in their front seven. Um, but Josh Allen, to me, it's funny because there's so many people that scout box scores, and there's a little bit of a connection between Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. Ironically, mm-hmm. both in the state of New York. 
People obsessed over Daniel Jones' lack of production and not giving context to who he played with and who he played against. People did the same thing with Josh Allen. Uh, remember, remember the debate, Buck, about the completion percentage, and now you just can't. Mm-hmm. There's no way this guy can be successful in the NFL because of his completion percentage at Wyoming. They went back to junior college, even to high school. There's for, That's a formula. There's a formula to win football games. It's different for every team. And Josh Allen, his formula, there's going to be a fumble here or there. There's going to be an interception. Maybe not going to wow you with a ton of touchdown passes. What he's going to do, he's going to use his legs to extend. He's going to get huge chunk plays because of his arm. He's going to be able to run for touchdowns when he gets inside the red area. And he's going to bring, again, just so much life and juice to a team with how, how physical he plays. And those things cannot be quantified on a stat sheet. And that's why, yeah. to me, baseball analytic-driven all day long. Football, you incorporate analytics. You don't live and die off analytics. It does not tell the whole story. It doesn't tell the whole story. And, DJ, I think what you point to is there is a path for victory for every team. It's just, are you willing to take that path? Because that path may be uncomfortable. It may look differently than the way that you envisioned it. But the Buffalo Bills have a formula and a recipe for winning games. They need to run the ball a ton. They need to run it with number 17 being incorporated in the running game. And then you're trying to get three or four explosive plays from him that result in scores. This is a team that's averaging 22 points a game. So when we talk about those chunk plays, those explosive plays, three or four of them, they end up resulting in touchdowns. And their defense is good enough that they can hold teams under 20. That's the recipe. And the Buffalo Bills have kind of figured it out. They're asking him to do things that are within his his skill set and his wheelhouse. And because he's been able to kind of stay and kind of keep the seatbelt on, they've been able to win games. Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes, this team wins as a team, yes. perhaps better than anybody right now, except for the team that they're going to play in week four. Oh, yeah. New England. So (laughs) we will will test that formula for the Bills this week against the Patriots, no question. Uh, I'll get us to uh, takeaway number six here. Let's keep it moving here. Here we go. Where has the Steelers' run game gone? Here's a gun run to Connor coming wide right to the reverses field. Bad decision. Falls out. Armstead hit him. He fumbled the ball. It's on the ground. The 49ers have taken the ball back. Connor reversed his field and made a bad call there. Man, what what happened to the Steelers' run game? I mean, coming into this game, they were near bottom of the league in rush yards per game, and, and it's not it's not like all right, yeah, Le'Veon Bell's not there. I mean, James Conner had over a thousand yards a year ago. Now, is it because they do not they have a lack of a premier pass game now, and it's and it's affecting the way the teams are defending them, and they're having they're finding it more difficult to run. We know Mike Munchak is gone, but uh, as you know, we we've seen with the Broncos, look, they're not really setting the world on fire with the way they run the ball either. So maybe it's not all that. Uh, But look, the fact of the matter is like, this is a running football team, right? This is what they've, they've been able to do in the past to set things up. And it's just, it's not there right now. They're at a, um, a, their worst yards per carry uh, since 2013. They're all the way down there under four yards a rip on the ground and just doesn't feel like Steelers football anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, go ahead, Buck. No, nah, I mean, th- this, th- this is one of the risks um, with the Steelers. And it's, it's part of a, a Levy and Bell thing. Um, last year when James Conner got out and ran early and had success, um, a lot of people felt like Levy and Bell was expendable. They don't need him. 
and the like. And now the circumstances are a little differently, obviously, because Ben Roethlisberger isn't there. And then you remove 84 AB, who also commanded a lot of attention. But one of the things when you ask people around the league that face the Pittsburgh Steelers, they used to say, like, look, when Le'Veon Bell isn't there, what you do is you commit more of your resources to stopping AB and Juju Smith-Schuster. And so if they had some runs, you're okay because it's a slower death than allowing AB to get over the top. Now that you remove AB and you also remove Le'Veon Bell, who's a more dangerous and dynamic runner, you're seeing the difference between a good runner and a great runner because the great running backs are able to continue to have success against loaded boxes, (laughs) eight-man boxes, nine-man boxes. James Conner has not been able to do that. And so the Steelers are in a bit of a dilemma because they don't have explosive weapons on the outside. They have a young quarterback. And right now the running back that they hitched their wagon to doesn't have the ability to elevate their run game. Yeah, and just to, since you mentioned the loaded box, I'd figure I'd give this to you from next gen. They've run into a loaded box. The Steelers have 45% of the time on their runs, fifth highest percentage in yeah. the league. So they're seeing it. Well, look, the interesting thing to me, you, you just got to provide the context to who they're playing. Uh, the Patriots, nobody's nobody's moving the ball against That's them. Right. Go back to the Super Bowl last year with the Rams. So that was a non-starter. Actually, over five yards of carry against the Seahawks in that game. The Seahawks are a good defense. So, okay there. And to me, guys, I thought even coming out of that game, a bigger takeaway, even the Steelers' run game, is this, this 49ers front. Um, there sure. are some grown men on that front. And they pushed and dominated against that Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. And it was not one man show. It was a collection. There's a lot of resources. Yeah, there is. They put a lot of resources in that front. And now they're starting to see some dividends here. Yeah, they are starting to see some dividends. I will say this about the San Francisco 49ers. I'm still worried about the quarterback. The quarterback is turning the ball over too much. And for a guy that we had high hopes about, I know he's still kind of recovering from the knee. At some point, he has to turn it up because they – took him and brought him in to be a franchise quarterback, and he's not playing like that, at some point he has to get going and make more plays. Uh, Quick, by the way, if you're catching this before the aftermath airs at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time, Steve Weich and Mike Silver were there for that game, and uh, apparently they have uh, some reasons for optimism about the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. So little teaser for you. We'll see you then. Well, well, here's my thing. Here's what I'll say. I, I know everybody says, you know, quarterback wins are not a stat. I get that. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought in that game, while there's a couple decisions here or there, I thought overall he played pretty well. And this is a quarterback that since he's been with Kyle Shanahan's 9-2. And and the only two losses are against Minnesota and Kansas City, both on the road, I believe. So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has played winning football. And it might not be, you know, saying this is a top-five quarterback, but compared to what this team has been without Jimmy Garoppolo and what they are with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you got to at least give him a little bit of credit for that. Yeah. Hit us. Hit us with seven. Strong, strong stat. All right, here we go. Let's keep it moving here. Kansas City, speaking of those Chiefs, uh, second quarter surge, part two. Single back, Mahomes, first and 10 from his own 17. Long, he's got Hartman wide open, 50, 40 foot race, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Kansas City as Hartman slings the ball into the section behind the goalpost. An 83-yard touchdown strike by the NFL MVP. And what did I tell you? I said at one point in time, Big Red was going to outscheme them and somebody was going to run free down the field. And that is exactly what happened. That's why Andy Reid is the best play caller in the NFL, bar none. I will not have an argument with that one. Now, I'm not going to have an argument yep. with you on that one. I will agree with you. And, and to me, it's I don't know what kind of oranges they're having after the first quarter, but 28 points. 
against the Raiders in the second quarter the week before. 23 points. Uh, Again, 28-0 over the Raiders in the second quarter, 23-0 over the Ravens in the second quarter. And, you know, Buck, when I went back and charted this, because I was curious um, about the philosophy of Andy Reid, and it was actually very telling um, for how they play first-half football versus second-half football. And I want to preface this by saying, some people trying to take some optimistic approaches to slowing down the Chiefs have said, well, it's just that one quarter or the first half, and then they're not doing as much in the second half. Well, let, let me just give you some numbers here. Week one in the first half, Andy Reid called eight runs. <laughs> Week two in the first half, Andy Reid called eight runs. Week three in the first half, Andy Reid called eight runs. They threw the ball 20, 26, and 25 times. They boat raced people in the first half throwing the football. And it's almost like the eight runs is like, it's, you know, it's like saying, okay, you kids eat your vegetables. So I got to eat the three little pieces of broccoli just to make my mom happy. And then that's it. No more. Then you go uh, that's get your the popsicle. way Andy Reid yeah. calls plays in the first <laughs> half. And then you go into the second half after they've boat raced you. And then it's almost like it's like load management. They're just going to try and relax and go, okay, we're going to run the ball 18 times in the second half week one, 14 times second half week two, 18 times uh, second half week three. They throw in it, you know, it's about a 50-50 mix in there. So they get that big lead, and then it's just they're just going to sit on it, Buck. They're, they're not going to waste any more energy. We're going to run the ball. Let's go home. You know, it, it's funny, like having spent time with Andy Reid uh, as a player when I was in Green Bay, Coach Holmgren had a similar theory and similar philosophy. Um, they want to come out and attack you early with the passing game. They, you see more first down throws from the. They want to jump out on you early and make you chase points. Part of that is not only their offense, but it's for their defense. So if you think about Kansas City's defense, we talk about that being the biggest sore spot of their team. Well, what you want to do is you can eliminate them having to deal with a balanced attack by going on the offensive, by being very aggressive, putting points up, and really getting a two-touchdown lead because now on offense or when Kansas City's on defense, now you don't have to worry about the running game. Now you can unleash Frank Clark and Chris Jones. You can hunt the passer. You can do those things. So part of that is they're playing defense with their offense to get up and make you have to chase points. I kind of call it the Golden State Warriors yeah. kind of philosophy. Yeah. They're hitting you with three balls and making you get out of the way that you normally want to play. And once you get out of sorts, you're now playing into their hands. Let me ask you one thing. Like, do you do you wonder at all after seeing Tyreek Hill go out and the success not change for the Chiefs? Are you like, God, did we did we need to go give him four oh, years for sure. hundred million? Be, yes, because, they needed it because he's different. I think if you pull even different than Miko, for sure. Yeah, I think I think when you ask defensive players and coaches around the league, they will tell you we've never seen anybody like that. His speed on the field is different. And as fast as Michael Hardman is, like he's a great player, but the explosiveness that Tyreek Hill brings to the thing, it changes. And it's only going to enhance what Hardman. Now you get both of them on. Yeah, yeah, like like it's been a nice replacement. But, man, what Tyreek Hill is able to do as a runner, receiver, returner, he is so dynamic. But, look, he's certainly elevated by playing for Andy Reid as well. No question. Fun to watch, I'll tell you that much. Wow. Yeah. Man. So another another team that is hot. Dallas Cowboys take care of business. At the Miami 19 in the gun. Elliott goes out in the pattern to the right and he throws it down to the goal line. A perfect strike to Amari Cooper. Touchdown Cooper. The fans yell Coop. Randall Cobb said, How did you enjoy my touchdown? 
Two touchdowns today for Amari Cooper, and that was a perfect 19-yard strike from Prescott. Look, the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, we just wax poetic about Kansas City Chiefs and how they jump out on you and how they knock you out and stuff like that. I know DJ can appreciate this. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are the Nate Diaz of the NFL. Oh. Like they don't they don't <laughs> knock you out. They don't yes. they don't they don't they don't punch you out in the first round. It's just like a slow grind. And then in the fourth and fifth round, you eventually just tap out. And <laughs> round what, and pound. Yeah, and what the Cowboys do, they ground and pound you to death. Two 100-yard rushes. You have Zeke Elliott go for 100. Tony Pollard goes for 100. Dak Prescott didn't play his best game, but he was efficient. He also added to the running game. And then defensively, they just do a good job of kind of complimenting what they do on offense. And this is a team that plays slow. Yeah. This is a team that kind of dictates the term. I mean, if we, we look at them, they're Wisconsin basketball. Like, they just kind of milk the shot clock. They limit the possessions. And – being down 10, 14 to them is like being down 20 points because it's such a slow, methodical game. This is the formula and the recipe that they have to use. It's the recipe that they used in 2016 when they won the division title. It's the same recipe they used in 2014 with DeMarco Murray, yep. and they won the title. Their best offense is their defense. If their defense plays fewer than 30 minutes, they're going to win a lot of games. It is all about time of possession and really retaining possession of the ball. Yeah, I mean, look, they uh... – they, it's hard to judge anybody against this Miami team, right? I mean, Miami hung tough with them in the first half. As you said, it was 10-6 at the half. But then, you know, the, even the time of possession even this week wasn't as dramatic as it, as it has been. But they put in 476 yards of offense. You, this is, a, as you mentioned, a limited opportunity game if you're the opponent, right? So you got to take advantage of your possessions. And when you're Miami and you're not doing that and you don't know how to put points on the board, there's just no, there's no path to victory for you. And, you know, it's again, they're impressive on defense as well. Um, so Robert Quinn got a you sack. You guys buried the nice lead, man. What's the lead? Josh Rosen? What? Taco Charlton got a sack at AT&T Stadium. I mean, that is that is unbelievable. Sure I don't know did. Yeah. thought we were going to see that he anymore. sure did. We did. He sure the as a member of the Dolphins. There you go. Finally. Finally makes it happen. Big test this week, too. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Packers potent. Pass rush. Flacco in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Four-man rush. Flacco hit from behind. He's sacked again! Oh, my goodness. They were all over him again. Zadarius Smith in the middle of it. They embrace another sack. Loss of 11. Six sacks today by the Packers. And this was a sack attack, and it was not sending a bunch of exotic blitzes. This was a lot of four-man rush. Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary getting involved. And I'll, everything was, you know, we talk about a lot of times like how you set up pass rush moves. We talked about it on our prototype series. Mm -hmm. uh, the way the Green Bay Packers and their collection and crew do it, they are going to bowl right through you. They're going to use that power, and then they set that up off the power. They'll use the speed. Some people uh, prefer to hit you with the speed, a bunch of speed, and then try and go through your numbers. Man, they, they, they throw some punches at you first before they hit you with the speed, and they just thrashed this Denver Broncos tackle collection, which, by the way, no, not a good group. Man, it's Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, uh, all kind of rotating through there. That's some big, physically imposing dudes and some, yes. some, some serious Explosive. speed, too. Explosive, right. That's probably the best way to put it, speed into power. Um, and I, look, I also just want to mention, I thought it was pretty interesting that Aaron Rodgers said, you know, despite this not being an overly explosive offensive game for them, said this was the cleanest his jersey had ever been, right? I think he said he took one shot 
And yeah. the, the Broncos, for all this pass rush talk about the Packers, they must have been looking over that, that the other sideline like, yeah. where's our wh- – wh- why can't we get to the quarterback? No sacks yet for arguably the best pass rush tandem in football in Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. It, it, it is unbelievable. Um, it, 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 it's unbelievable because I thought – With this, Vic Fangio. I thought right. the Broncos team would be able to That's really what you get after your the passer. Head I would think the, the takeaways would come. And, and we've seen this. Like, it happens. Sometimes it comes in bunches. They just haven't been able to get home. But – with the pieces that they have and with Fangio understanding how to really get with pastors, at some point it will connect. But I'll also say this. They've never been in a situation where they're really playing where they can play downhill, right. meaning their offense is giving them a lead where they can hunt the quarterback without having to worry about the running game. I think part of it is if their offense starts faster and they're able to play from ahead, then you'll see Bradley Chubb and Von Miller uh, be able to tee off on these quarterbacks. But right now they're playing even Steven, and they're being forced to defend the run and pass, and it's hard to accumulate a ton of sacks when you have to play against a balanced attack. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the, uh, um, the critique of John Elway has got to be one of the more sensitive topics up there in Denver. Ooh, um, it has sensitive. not Since that Super Bowl run, um, it has not been good, and not a lot of great decisions have been made there in that personnel department. So um, I know, look, he is a legend, the greatest, you know, one of the greatest of all time, obviously the greatest Denver Bronco of all time. That's a, I wouldn't want to be a, hosting a radio show in Denver, let's just put it that way, <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> very, very uncomfortable, but I think you have to, you have to tell the truth. Like, that's, that's one of the things that you have, you have to be able to be honest. And one of the issues that he has had, like, outside of the quarterback, they haven't been able to get this offensive line right. Now, I love Mike Munchak. Nope. Mike Munchak comes over, and he's trying to get uh, them right. But, man, they it appears they whiffed on Gary Bowles. Gary Bowles is having a tough time uh, at tackle. He leads the league in holding penalties. You, we know how much penalties uh, can impact I've, the game. I've killers, they, man. Man, they, they set you back. They make you um, get off schedule. And for a team that has really struggled producing explosive plays, especially with Joe Flacco in there, it's killing them. But – John Elway at some point has to take a look in the mirror and has to figure out how, how can I get better when it comes to evaluating position and really knocking it out of the park with these early picks, especially on the offense and the offensive line, because those are the biggest issues. Quarterback O-line, I don't know of many teams that are able to overcome flaws in those areas on your roster. And, and Buck, uh, they are not the only team that we're about to talk about with some roster flaws. The Browns. Uh, real quick, Buck, real <laughs> yeah, quick. Before, yeah. before, you get, before you get to the Browns, if I'm looking at this correctly, the Broncos have lost seven straight games, right? Mm-hmm. They lost the last four games at the end of last year, 0-3 this year. Right, right. That's a sneaky seven-game losing streak that nobody's talking about. Yuck. Man, I, did, I didn't know that. That is, that is that is a problem. All right, go, go, go put your bullets in the Browns. Go ahead. <laughs> the Browns have a flawed roster. <laughs> Fourth down and goal from the five. This is week three. Mayfield flush in the pocket, rolling right, throws to the end zone. It is intercepted. The Rams take it away on the final snap for the Browns offense. It's John Johnson with a diving pick in the end zone. And the Rams are going to come home at 3-0. and DJ, this is a team that uh, many people expected to, to compete not only for a division championship, but there was a lot of conversation that this team could go toe-to-toe with some of the heavyweights in the AFC to maybe be a Super Bowl contender. And right now, it is uh, uh, it, it is hard to see this team being one of those teams that could be the last team standing because there are so many flaws 
in their roster. Now, what? I, I didn't. You're th- talking about the Super Bowl 54 champions. I mean, I, I thought the this, Browns. I thought this team was ready to go that, because that, because that was never that was never bought on our show though. <laughs> no, the, you know the, the thing the thing about it, and I'll admit, maybe I was caught up because maybe I played too many video games and Madden on Madden. They're just a sexy team with Jarvis Landry and OBJ and Baker, and yeah. then you got Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming. But as everyone knows, who's ever lived in a house or built a house, you got to have a strong foundation. And their foundation right now is on sand. They do not have an offensive line that can get it done. And so until they can do all of the other stuff, they got to fix the front line. And right now in the trenches, they are struggling. They can't move people. They can't protect the quarterback. And without being able to dictate the terms by either running the ball behind a powerful offensive line or protecting uh, Baker Mayfield, they're not able to get to their primary playmakers on the outside. Yeah, I mean, look. you know what's interesting? You go to the draft and yeah. you're covering the draft, Rhett, and you see, you know, guys like Quentin Nelson get picked, and right. you know, the people that are hardcore inside really love the player and love the pick, but a fan base for the most part, they don't get all that fired up. Uh, the Browns have made all these moves that a fan would love, and people inside the scouting community, when you talk to them, the personnel department's going, hold up now, this is fool's gold, man. This team stinks up front. I mean, they are not good. And then when you look at the schedule, what they have coming up, ball at Baltimore, at San Francisco, Seattle, at New England, um, and then they're at Denver, who's you know got to get their act together. But, man, they could. this could be a rough, rough skid here for the Browns. Yeah, it's like when you're walking down like one of those uh, like one of the promenades in Santa Monica and the restaurant has the they actually they make up a dish, you know, to look really nice. And they set it out in front of the restaurant to like entice you to come in. And then once you get mm-hmm. in, you're like, oh, bait yeah. and switch, bait and switch. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that offense. Anytime you cut your left tackle before the season starts, you know, and then uh, sign it back. Great. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's uh, a problem. Oh, the formula. Yeah, problem. All right, guys, football's back. Watch live local primetime NFL games for free all season long with the Yahoo Sports app or the official app of the NFL on your phone or tablet. Plus, get all your latest breaking news, highlights, and more. Download the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app in your app store or at NFL.com slash mobile today. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Uh, Any other takeaways, guys? Any other thoughts before we uh, roll out of here? It was an interesting week. Hmm. Very interesting week. Hey, the Lions are undefeated. You know what? That, that we're we're wrong for hey. not for not giving the Lions a little more love. I will give Matt Patricia credit. They're yeah, you go on the road to Philly. I know they're yeah. A that, that's up, that's a big win for them yeah. to win at yeah, Philly still. for them to kind of come and get that. And it maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe they are buying in to mm. what he's saying. Sounds like a topic I know for that, a future I know the podcast. Eagles are beat up too, but I did not. I did not think the Eagles were going to start off the season one and two. I did not. Uh, I did not see that happening. So. Same. Uh, see if they can get it turned around. Yeah, we'll see what happens here going forward. Uh, thank you guys so much for downloading uh, the podcast and subscribing. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast app. All the videos, nfl.com slash MTS video or youtube.com slash NFL prospects. Prospects. Man, I can't talk today. Uh, you know why? I figured it out. It's because I've been celebrating App State throat. A lot of screaming, a lot of yelling yeah. around the house, a lot of pressure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, I would encourage everybody to be nice. Don't block people on Twitter. Don't block people like we blocked that field goal from North Carolina. <laughs> oh. Just be nice to everybody. Be accepting. Be open. All Maybe right. No more. No more. Buck, I will not speak of this ever again. I, I doubt that. both of you guys, congratulations. It's almost basketball season. All right. Uh, let's get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Move the Sticks. I'm DJ. 
Uh, that's Bucky Brooks of the 31 points, not enough North Carolina Tigers. That's <laughs> Brett Lewis of Indiana University. Three and one, baby. Over UConn. Three and one. Let's go. Woo. All right. All right. See you. All right. There you go. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.